morning. We're glad that you're here. You can have a seat. Uh, church, I want to say um, all of our guests, uh, we're welcome you. I'm glad that you're here. Stop by the Welcome Center before we leave. Um, we would love to talk with you. We also have a gift for you, all of our guests. And for those joining us online, welcome. We're glad you're here with us this morning. Uh, church, there's a few things that are coming up I want to let you all know about and remind you of. Is it the 25th of October of this month? is our trunk and treat, so a few things to do. One, sign up your kids and invite someone to come along with you, um, bring their kids, and it's going to be a really, really fun time. I know everybody's um, that's serving um, during this night, uh, the trunk and treat, um, they're decorating their trunks, and, and people have you know, been playing this since last year, <laughs> so they're excited about it, so we're looking forward to that. That's going to be on the 25th of October. If you would like to be on the team that serves at trunk and treat, um, just come find me or Crystal will be in the foyer before you leave. You can also, in your bulletin, there's information how you can uh, be a part of the team that serves at Trunk and Treat, and you can also do that online. Um, I encourage you to sign your kids up and come on out on the 25th. There's three different time slots, 6.30, 7, and 7.30, um, and they're each half hour. And uh, So you can see all the information on our website. So we look forward to seeing you all on the 25th. The 29th, uh, Pastor Ken is leading a How to Share Your Faith workshop. And so you can um, let us know you're coming by um, going online, and there's a form you can fill out to let us know you're coming. And uh, that's going to be all about how, all things, how do we share our faith and equipping us to do so. So Pastor Ken's going to leave that at 6 o'clock, and it'll be right here at the church. And so we're looking forward to seeing you on the 29th. Uh, church, as we continue on this morning, I want to say thank you for being faithful and giving. Um, you can give online through the mail or using the offering boxes here at the church. But church, thank you for being faithful on mission with us, and being on mission with us. Would you pray with me? Um, God, thank you for um, just just humbling us all. Um, uh, Lord, we're bringing our mountaintops. We're bringing um, the valleys. We're bringing the in-betweens. And God, on our best day, um, we're nothing we're nothing without you. Um, so God, as we open up the Bible this morning, as we read your word, um, just center us on the truth, not anything that's of human um, creation that's only from you. Um, Lord, just help us to, to deal with the things in our hearts, to deal with the things in our heads and the actions and the things that we've maybe even done this morning that we're, we're not thrilled about. Um, and we're just kind of sitting here feeling that guilt and that shame. God, we um, know that there's forgiveness in Christ, and so, Lord, thank you for our salvation in Jesus, and, Lord, we just thank you um, that we're not here alone, uh, that you're here with us, and, Lord, we uh, love you so much. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.
changes. He is the rock. He is our salvation. He is the one that we can cling to through this journey called life, through the ups and downs and the trials and tribulations that we have. God is the same, the same God, and he is faithful. If you just trust him for that, your life will be immeasurably changed. Jesus loves you.
Amen. What a great day of worship, isn't it? Let's thank our great God. What a wonderful day it's been so far. Just uh, two things I'd like to just personally invite you to that class. I know Luke in, uh, shared it with you uh, on the 29th of October. It's a Sunday evening here. We're going to be sharing with you how to share your faith. Many people have asked me through the years, well, how can I share my faith? And I want to encourage you to, we're going to put some practical tools into your hands and we'll have a bit of a workshop time. So if you'd like to learn how to share your faith, and maybe, maybe it's just been a while, you'd like to come for a refresher, come on out. That'll be on October the 29th. You go to the website to sign up so that we can plan for you. Childcare will only be provided as needed. So uh, if, if you need it, we'll try to find it. So, uh, but if you can find child care on your own, that'll be even be better for us because we are maxed out. Our, we have the best volunteers, don't we? Let's thank God for all the children's ministry volunteers. We've got an incredible family of volunteers here, and we thank God for all that they do. So uh, t- this morning, the other thing I wanted to do is I wanted to stop and have prayer for Israel this morning. As you know, uh, Israel was uh, attacked uh, horrifically this weekend. If you go home and watch the news, that's, it's consuming the news. This time last year, we took this ambulance and we dedicated it. You, the people of Crossroads, raised money towards this ambulance for the last few years. And we're able to finally send that on. And that ambulance has been in the thick of the activity that you are watching on the news right now. So we, uh, we are standing with Israel. God says, I will bless those who bless thee. This is the promise to Israel. I will bless those who bless thee. I will curse those who curse thee. And so we want to take our stand with Israel. Amen? Let's thank God that we can do that today. And so we, we stand united and we are in prayer. And, but more importantly, we're to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. So I've asked, uh, um, come on up here. My name, your name is drawn a blank here. This is our, is with the friends of Israel. Bad. You guys know him. I can't remember my name one blank. Jeff and Arlene. Jeff and Arlene Berg. This is Jeff. Would you welcome Jeff to the stage? Yeah, Arlene, excuse me. Wow, this is powerful. Arlene uh, gives her, her best. She's in the Sunday school class right now. But uh, this has been very horrific. And um, Arlene and I, we minister with uh, a number of Jewish people that we've known through the years that have actually emigrated to Israel and that are living there right now in the midst of it from Pittsburgh. And uh, just, I thought of this after I did this the first time, but uh, one particular highlight, there was a a rabbi, uh, Orthodox, that had a big congregation in Squirrel Hill that moved there just maybe... uh, just over a year ago, he lives in the town where the ambulance is located in Ashdod, just north of the Gaza Strip. One day he was walking to the synagogue and he goes back and forth all the, t- all the time passing the uh, ambulance station. One day he decided to walk in and all of a sudden he noticed what was written on the door of the ambulance, which is the dedication uh, in loving dedication from the Pittsburgh uh, Christian and Jewish communities and the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. And it, he was just stunned. And uh, in this Facebook post, he said, Wow, this was definitely a miracle from God. And now this ambulance is at work. And uh, from your hearts, uh, it's, it's out there saving lives. But we need to pray that God will deliver Israel from this evil. Amen. Let's pray together. Yes. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, as it said in Psalm 122, verse 6. And we know as well, Lord, that he who, which is God, he who keeps Israel neither slumber nor sleeps. Lord, we know you are in control. And we just pray, Lord, as... Many Christians are praying around the world for this to end. Lord, that you would just drive out the, the evil, just drive it out like the chaff into the wind. And we pray especially for these people that are being held hostage. We pray, Lord, that you would miraculously deliver them and that, Lord, you would just show yourself as a testimony in delivering the land from this evil that's going on. 
And Lord, again, we just trust you to work and that you just work in a miraculous way. And may the Jewish community just see our love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's thank God for Jeff and Arlene for the work you do. We want to continue to pray for Israel and just the entire conflict and just ask that the Lord would put his hand upon the situation and that uh, his will will be done. And uh, we know that God is working. So as we are jumping into our series, continuing our series, I want to ask you this question this morning. When I say the phrase, Monday's coming, what comes into your mind? That's a typical response. Monday's coming. If it's Saturday and I say, yeah, but Monday's coming, you go, oh, you just kind of like this groan comes over. And it's, uh, it's because why? Because you have to do what happens on Monday. Work. You go back to work, right? You got to go back to the grind. You got to go back. You got to see your boss. You got to go through all the chores of work. And so today we're going to be talking about this work. How do we work? How does God call us to work? As you look in the scriptures, you can, you can go to work on Monday without that, oh, without that grind, without that overwhelming sense of, uh, of being overwhelmed. And uh, we're going to see how God says to handle that. But I want to remind you, the whole mission of Jesus. How did, you know, when Jesus came, he said that this was what he came to do. Look in Luke 4.18. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has appointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and, to, and recovery of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. He says that he's come to set the oppressed free, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Um, the brokenhearted, the disillusioned, that's what he's come. You know, you're brokenhearted, you're disillusioned, that's what God's come to do. He's come to heal that brokenhearted. Uh, he says that he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the oppressed. You see, Peter knew all about this oppression. As he's sending out this letter to these, to the, these new believers all over Asia Minor, what he's doing is he's talking to them about submission in the middle of their oppression. Now, how did Jesus liberate the captive, but yet he says to submit? Last week we looked at submit to the government, submit to the human, human authorities, all the human institutions. Because here's what it is, is humiliation is an empowered faith. Humility empowers my faith. So whenever you become humble, whenever you go through this time of oppression, it's not that God isn't with you, and it's not that he's not fulfilling his verse. He came to set those who are oppressed free. Listen, Jesus did that in a spiritual sense. He said, if you have trusted Jesus as your Savior, uh, you have been set free from the oppression of sin. There was a point whenever you had to walk according to the flesh to the devil or to the world. The world, the flesh, the devil. Those are the three things that trip us up, and you've walked according to those. Your father was the devil, the Scripture says, before you came to Jesus, before God became your father. And then once you trust Jesus Christ, God is now your father, and you have been set free. You no longer have to go the route of sin. You no longer have to be enslaved into punishment. And, and what happens here is whenever we're thinking about this liberty, we're thinking about the freedom. Freedom is an interesting thing because freedom requires a captivity in order for freedom to, be, to work. You see, at one point you were held captive to the world. The world held you, and you did according to whatever the world said. You did as your sinful, evil desires did, right? That is captivity. He says, I have come to set the captive free. He sets you free. When Jesus set you free, he didn't set you free to just go out and live lawlessly. He didn't set you free to just go out and sin anything and do anything you ever wanted to do. No, he set you free to a new submission. You were to submit to Christ. We live in America, the United States of America. Land of the brave, home of the what? Free. Man, this is, this is, this is the place where we live. This is the free, right? But there's only freedom within the borders, isn't there? There's only freedom within the rules of America. There's only freedom within this place. 
And so this is what God has done. There's freedom in Christ. Your freedom is in Christ. And so when he set the, the captive free, he set us free to be free in Christ. And so what's the, what does Peter tell us to do here? He tells us to live as free servants. We looked at that last week. Live as a free servant. A servant of God. You are serving God. And then and how do we do that? He tells us to respect everyone. Respect everyone. Boy, uh, if you look over here in verse 17, he says to honor everyone, love the brotherhood, that's the family of God, the church, fear God, and honor the emperor. Fear, honor the, the, um, the authorities. And so we sometimes think we can pick and choose what God says in his word. You can't pick and choose. If he's God, he's God. If God says to do this, so this means I have to honor everyone, people I agree with, people I don't agree with, people that believe like me, people that don't believe like me, people that follow Jesus, people that don't follow Jesus. I have to honor everyone. I have to love and particularly the brotherhood, the brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ right here, the family of God. I have to love the family of God. I have to fear God. That means I respect everything he says, and because what he says, I will obey. Because if I fear God, yeah, he's in charge, he's the boss, then I will do what he says. And then I will honor the emperor, honor the local authorities. So we said that we're to respect everyone, first of all, as good citizens. That's uh, what we looked at last week. Respect everyone as a good citizen. And today we're going to look at this thought as a good servant, as a good servant. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 18 says, Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. You could, uh, you could put the word in harsh there. Not only to that, but to the harsh. Um, he says here, servants. The word servant is actually the same word used for slave. And whenever you see servant and slaves in the Bible, there's two different words. This is not the typical word that's used. This is the word for, that is used for a household slave. Uh, the uh, slave could be anything from a doctor. You could have a household doctor. You could have uh, somebody who does menial task slaves all the way up to a doctor. So they were all different talents, all different aspects. It was a class of people, if you will. The word master denotes the person who has the complete authority. So the slave answers to the master. The servant answers to the master. The master has complete authority. The word master means the one who has complete authority over another person. That's why Jesus is to be our master. He has complete authority over you. Slavery 2,000 years ago was an established institution. You know, at the time of this writing, there were more than 60 million slaves in the Roman Empire. That's about half the total population of the Roman Empire. Some masters were great masters. Others were terribly cruel. Some masters would treat you like you're part of their family. Others would treat you like you're not even a human. A Roman citizen would look at as a slave as a piece of property. As a matter of fact... Um, Aristotle, you hear Aristotle quote on many things. He was totally wrong on this, but I'm just going to give you what he said. He said, a slave is a living tool, just as a tool is an inanimate slave. Another Roman nobleman said this, said that the only thing that distinguishes a slave from a beast or a cart is that a slave can talk. And so in this day, slaves had, there was a class of people, and they were not well respected. There was no respect for them. Human rights was an issue. And Peter, he doesn't come and deal with the human rights issue, but he does, the Bible deals with that at large. But Peter's not dealing with this at this point. Uh, and why is that? Well, because, uh, first of all, we know that the Bible teaches that slavery is wrong. The Egyptians, were, uh, the Egyptians had held the Israelites captive for 400 years. They were slaves. The whole message of the Bible, if you go and read the whole message of the Bible, is about being released from slavery. And so the, the Israelites, they were released from slavery. They still celebrate to this day, 4,000 years later, they're still celebrating the Passover feast. Whenever, whenever the, the, uh, the death angel passed over each home and the people were able to get out of Egypt. 
That was the redemption of God. We see all over Scripture the redemption of God whenever we are to be bought back with a price. And you and I were bought back with the price of Jesus Christ, his blood on the cross. But Israel, as, as you look here, what is he saying to these, to these Jews that are being scattered abroad? And many of them are slaves. What is he saying here to them? He's not saying that slavery is correct. What he's saying is, how do you function in incorrect situations? How do you, as a slave, even though slavery is bad, how do you function as a slave? And what he tells them here, he says, I want you basically, he says, I want you to work hard. And I want you to work well. Work hard and work well. You know, this book here of the Bible is the reason that slavery is nowhere near as prevalent as it was one day. Thanks be to God that those days are part of history and gone. Because of Jesus Christ, the slave is set free. Amen? We have been set free in Jesus Christ. And so, therefore, whenever we have, whenever the gospel changes your life, now we go out and we say, hey, that slavery is a bad deal. We have to say no to slavery. And so he's telling these workers here to work hard and work well. I want you to look at this passage. Well, how does this apply to us today? Well, what if we were to say it like this? Servants or employees... Be submissive. Submit to your employers. I think you could understand it. I think at times we all feel a little bit of a slave to our job, don't we? At times we all feel like, oh, i got to go to work. Oh, this is overwhelming. I don't want to go, but i got to go because we need a paycheck. And so as we go to work, I want to encourage you to work hard and work well. He says, and to do it with respect. Oh, I love that. Verse 18. Servants, be subject. Employees, be subject. Submit yourselves to your employers with all respect. You should be able to go into any company and pick out who the Christians are. How can I go into any company and pick out who the Christians are? The Christians will be the ones that work the hardest. The Christians will be the ones that show up early and stay late. Those will be the Christians. The ones that are passionately following God. The Christians, we should be able to go in and spot them because they are working as unto the Lord and not as unto their boss. You see, if you go to work and you say, wow, I, I did enough to get by, you're not following the command of God. God gave you that job. If God gave you that job, then you ought to go to work and go to work and be happy about it. Why? Oh, it's a tough day. You don't understand my boss. Well, the scripture says here, um, do this with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust or the harsh. So when you go to work, work hard, work well. When you don't know what to do, you find a few hours that there's nothing to do. Don't go on social media. (laughs) Don't do your Christmas shopping at work. Amazon, you can do that on the bus ride. (laughs) He says, I want you to work hard. You know, when your boss is paying you and you do other work on your boss's time, you've cheated your boss and disobeyed God. And your boss may never know it, but God will. And God is the one who's in charge of blessing you. If you told your boss, I agree to come in and I will work for $15 an hour, And I will be there at 9 o'clock, and I will leave at 6. And you show up at quarter to 10. First of all, he shouldn't hire you back the next day. But if he didn't see it and you still got paid for that, guess who saw that? God. Now, this is what he's talking about. He says, I want you to submit to your employers. I want you to submit, even though it's a harsh situation out there. I want you to submit, and I want you to work hard. When you don't know what to do, do it for God. When no one is looking, work for God. When everyone is looking, work for God. Do everything for God. The Scripture says, whatever you do, do it to the honor and glory of God. Amen? I mean, this is what God's called us to do. The world offers freedom in its bondage. 
Jesus offers freedom by coming back to the captivity of him. He says, I want you to come and I want you to be submissive. Submit to that boss. Be a slave to Jesus. I'm not a slave to that boss. But I'm a slave to God Almighty. And as a slave to the God himself, whenever, if he says go to work, I go to work. Now, God doesn't wake me up and say, hey, you've got to go to work in the morning. That's why I have an alarm. And I get up in the morning and I say, okay, I have to go to work. Why? Not because somebody will see me, but because God has called me. And as we get up and we go out and we do what God has called us to do, He is the one who gets the honor and the glory. So the same is true for you. Set that alarm and go out and honor God with your work. Work hard and work well and live as a free slave, a slave to Jesus Christ. He says in uh, verse 18 there, he says, Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and the gentle, but also to the unjust. That word unjust there. Uh, it is translated in some translations as the word harsh. And so if you look up the meaning of that word, it is a, a Greek word. It's from where we get the word scoliosis. Scolios. Scoliosis. Then, anybody know what scoliosis is? Yeah, it's when your spine is twisted. Maybe you work for a twisted person. Did I say that out loud? <laughs> Maybe you work for a twisted person. That's the word that Peter uses. Peter uses, he says, I want you to submit to the twisted boss that you got. Wait a minute. Thought as Christians, we don't have to do that. Your boss is paying you. And your boss doesn't appreciate you. You go to work. You don't like your boss. You go to work. The boss has never recognized you. The boss is unfair. The boss is twisted. What's he say? He says you go to work and with all respect and you work hard, you work well, and even though some are good and some are the twisted. Look here, for this is a gracious thing. Verse 19, for this is a gracious thing. When mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. So when you're, when you're mindful of God and you endure suffering, you know, you suffer for the Lord. He said that's a very gracious thing. But what credit is it if when you sin and you are beaten for it, you endure? In other words, you screwed up at your job and you got in trouble for it. He says, what good is that? Learn from it. Man, if your boss doesn't reprimand you because you did something bad, you've got a problem, boss. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and you suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. And when he's saying good here, he's not saying, oh, you did something religious. Your integrity, you got in trouble for your integrity. He says, you went to work and you worked hard. And you still were treated wrongly. He says, endure it. And do this in the sight of God. In the sight of God, this is a precious thing. Folks, every one of us has a job that we go to. Maybe you are retired. Maybe you remember those days in, and when you were working and you say, man, I can remember, I can look back, and I can see the ups and downs of life. And folks, this is what happens. Sometimes you'll have a good boss. Sometimes you'll have a bad boss. Sometimes work is going really well. Sometimes it's going really bad. This is what life is. Life is a mixture of the good and the bad. And so what does God call us to do but to be thankful for our jobs? God provided this job for you. So you're to be thankful. Not everybody has a job. Not everybody can work. Many people don't have, uh, they have disabilities and different options that they cannot work. And so we as believers should be thankful that he has given us his provision. God is your provider. God's the one who gave you everything you have. Everything that you have comes from the hand of God. It doesn't come from that boss. It comes from God. So then what is the deal with the boss? Well, your boss, now check this out. Your boss may just be watching you. And he is. That's what bosses do, right? Bosses watch you. 
And so as your boss is watching you, what he's doing, he may never read the Bible, but he's reading you. And as he reads you, will he find God? You know, your employer, what if God just placed you at that job so that you can be a witness, a light for Jesus Christ? And how will they find it? Oh, well, I'm going to leave the Bible on the desk. I'm going to... No. You know what you're going to do? You're going to work hard. You don't even have to preach. You've got to work hard. Do you know that uh, as we go into any company and you find the Christians, you'll find them there. You'll find the dedicated ones, I should say. Many Christians are slacking as well. You'll find the dedicated Christian because he's working hard and he does not need the praise of man. He gets his praise from God. You see, you cannot make your boss happy. But God says that you'll be happy when you submit to the boss. Isn't that crazy? It's like so different. It's radical. So the liberate, how, how did he liberate you? He liberated you not to go out and be lawless and to take matters into your own hands, but to work hard, work well, to be thankful. What if we went to work and we said, boy, I believe the Lord put me here. I believe that God put me here. You know what it does? It will elevate your position. It's going to change your attitude. You've got to work and believe that God put you there, and it changes everything because now you have this attitude of thankfulness, the attitude of gratitude. And let me say it like this. Somebody once said it, said that gratitude is the attitude that sets the altitude for our living. Would you read that with me? Gratitude is the attitude that sets our altitude for living. Man, if you, you want to go up in your company, don't do it by getting away with what you can get away with. Don't do it by working with one eye on the boss. Don't do it by looking at the clock. The guy who goes to work and all he's doing is looking at the clock and seeing how much, how least amount that he can work or what else that he can do in double fulfilling, cheating the boss will never truly get ahead. Take God to work with you. Take God to work with you. Um, he says here in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 5, Bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling in sincerity of heart as to Christ. Not with eye service. Not looking at the boss. Not as men pleasers. Not trying to make the boss happy. But as servants, as slaves of Jesus Christ. Doing the will of God from where? The heart. I have to check myself on this all the time. Doing the will of God from the heart. Like if you really believe this stuff, I've got to come before God. I've got to say, God, I don't want to go to work today. I guess I'm the pastor. I guess I want to go to work, right? I don't want to go to work today. God, you've got to change my heart. And that's what we do. He says, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will, doing service, as to the Lord, not to men. And if you're working for the praise of man, you'll never be happy. Because you can never get enough of it. You know what happens is we worship the praise of man. If, the, if you're looking for praise from something, that's who you're worshiping. And so worship God. Give him all the praise. He's looking for us to worship him. And you know what? He takes care of everything else. And as you submit to that, become the kind of worker who is working as unto the Lord. You know, whenever you work and you're working for God, it changes your product. If, you, if you're making something, you'll work hard, you'll work well, your work will have, you'll have a good track record. You will be successful in your work. A few years ago, I remember going to a garage sale around here in town, and I picked up a guitar. I'll never forget that, because I paid 20 bucks for this guitar. And I, uh, I took this guitar home, and it was, it, it was probably about 12 years ago, maybe 10, 12 years ago. It's right when eBay was kind of the big thing. Remember when eBay, like eBay's out there now, but it was like hot. So I went out, I went to this garage sale, and I bought this guitar for 20 bucks. 
And I took it home, and I said, Honey, I'm going to take this, and I'm going to sell this on eBay. And she just started to laugh at me. And uh, I was doing all my get-rich-quick schemes, right? So I brought home the guitar, and I cleaned it up. And on the neck, it said Recording King. I'm like, who has a Recording King guitar? This is a piece of garbage, right? So I put it on there, and I was hoping to get $50 out of it. Well, I set the first bid at 40 or 50 or something like that, and it started out. Before I know it, I had $600 bid for this guitar. I was like, sold to the man with 600 bucks for this $20 guitar I brought. I cleaned it up, and I sent it, and later on I find out what the deal was with this Recording King guitar. Recording King was made by Gibson for Montgomery Wards. I could have gotten triple what I got out of that guitar. I was happy with 600. I could have gotten triple what I got out of that guitar. Why? Because somebody had a good product and it had high value. Have you ever heard of Stradivarius violin? Anybody ever heard of Stradivarius, right? Uh, I heard that there's a Stradivarius violin that is $20 million today. Why? Because he put out the best of quality. Do you know what Stradivarius said? Stradivarius, he was a uh, tried to work for God. And as he constructed it in the shop, he would do it till it was near perfect, but he wouldn't let one of those violins go out till it was near perfect. And this is what he said. He said, God needs violins to send his music into the world. And if any violins are defective, God's music will be spoiled. You could say it like this. Other men will make other violins. But no one will make a better one than I can. What if that were your attitude of going to work tomorrow? What if your work was like Stradivarius? What if it was gold? Because Not because you were the best in the world, but because you were the best that you could be. Because you showed up and reported for duty. And you said, God, here's my hands, here's my feet, here's my mind, here's my time. Lord, I have dedicated this day to you. What if that would happen? It's tough out there. Your boss can be tough at times. Your boss can be twisted. I, uh, in the, after the first service, I used that twisted word. I explained that from the Greek there, right? And uh, one lady came up to me after the service. And she said, I have to tell you, I worked for a twisted boss. She said his name, and I about fell over. Because if I said his name, every person in this church would know who this person is. And I said, whoa. And she said, yep, I worked, and he was ignorant. I worked, and he demanded that his name be known. I worked and worked and worked and worked. And you know what? He never respected me, but I'll tell you what. He could not deny my work ethic. And as a Christian, I came early, and I stayed late, and I worked harder than anybody else, and I regularly got extra $1,500 checks from this man. I said, well, thanks be to God for you, huh? But she has that record, and she can tell you she worked for a twisted man. And let me tell you, this man was twisted. Absolutely twisted, but she was called, and she said, I don't work for him, I work for God. And I said, praise be to God. That's what this passage is talking about. Look what here, endorse suffering as Jesus did. Listen, we're to go to work and endorse suffering as Jesus did. Because Peter just goes right into this. This Take it all in context. You're going to suffer by human authorities. You're going to suffer at work. Slaves are going to suffer. Employees are going to suffer. For this, First Peter 2.21, for to this you have been called. And he doesn't say that suffering will be something we all got to deal with and suffering is something that might happen to you. He says you are called to suffer. Wait a minute. Again, when you invited me to trust Jesus, you didn't tell me about suffering. It's not the only call. It's part of the call. He says, for this, to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. 
How did he do that? He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. He was reviled, he did not revile in return. He, when he suffered, he did not threaten, but he continued entrusting himself to the one who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, the cross of Calvary, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. And Peter goes back and he goes back to Isaiah 800 years earlier and he pulls out more of Isaiah. And he says, he quotes this, this is all from chapter 53 there. Isaiah 53, talking about the suffering servant, about how that he'd be beaten beyond recognition, how that he would be silent before his oppressors. Like, this is who he would be. And he says, listen, you were, verse 21, for this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example. Jesus is much more than an example. He died on the cross. He is God. He says, I've come to set the captives free. And when Jesus did that once for all forever, you have been set free if you'll just trust him. Place your faith in him. Peter takes it a step further. Peter says, not only this, you've been called to suffer. Understand that he died for your sin. Understand you've been set free. But also understand that you will suffer because Christ was your example. If you go and you research the word example, what does the word example mean in the Greek? It means underwriting. And I thought, boy, that's an interesting term, underwriting. When I think of underwriting, I typically think of somebody that's going to pay something, underwrite an event, underwrite my way, right? Underwrite something. He says here that Christ is your example. He's your underwriting. I'm going to put this next picture up here. When you teach a kid how to write a letter... You don't just say, hey, write the letter A. You don't just say, hey, uh, I got this picture on the wall. Why don't you write the letter A in your seat? Kids never written letter A before. What do you do? You give them underwriting. And he takes his pen on that big A there, and he says, I'm going to draw line one. And then he's going to go over and draw line two. Then he draws line three, and he has the example. He has the underwriting. Then he goes to the first line. He doesn't just say, you know, the teacher doesn't say, hey, just now, go on. The teacher says, we're going to practice this. Take your pencil and go over these lines. Underwriting. Jesus is our underwriting of suffering. When we look at his life, the scripture says that by his wounds we are healed. By his stripes we are healed. One translation I was reading in the footnotes, it says literally by his welts we are healed. By the welts of Jesus Christ we are healed. Jesus suffered. Look at this next picture here. Jesus suffered. Isaiah said that he would be like a sheep that was going to the slaughter. Yet he would not open his mouth. He would be silent. Jesus, who was perfect, who never once sinned, had all the sin was going to be laid upon him. My sin and your sin was going to be laid upon Jesus. And he went up and Peter says here that he was reviled, but he did not revile back. They looked at Jesus and they said, you call yourself the son of God. He just stood there. They spit on him. They took the, the cat of nine tails. They, they beat him with the whip. Just stood there. This is your underwriting. God's called us to the underwriting. You go to work tomorrow. Is your work look that bad? Have you been beaten beyond recognition yet? This is what God's called us to do, is to take our example from our master who says, I don't deserve this, but I'm going to remain silent. And keep bringing it on. Because I've got to save a world 
I gotta save Ken Barner. I gotta save Rhonda. I gotta save John. I gotta save George. I gotta save Sally. I gotta save Sue. I gotta save all them people 2,000 years from now. I, I'm gonna be silent. You know, he had all the power to usurp. He could have said, I got you. You're wrong. You're evil. You're wicked. What did he do? He got on the cross with his arms nailed on the cross. And what did he say? He didn't say, Father, forget this. They're, they're just confused. He said, Father, forgive them. For they don't know what they're doing. He didn't stand on the cross and say, Father, zap them. Take me off this cross. These people are all idiots. No. He looked and he said, forgive them. For they don't know what they're doing. I want us to be tracing our life on the next picture of the cross. Would you come and make this your underwriting? Jesus is that example. And as we close with this thought this morning, by his wounds we are healed. By the wounds of Jesus Christ I have been healed. All healing, spiritual healing, physical healing, emotional healing, it all comes from the stripe of God, from the wealth of God, whenever God himself paid that price. If you're going to have healing, it's going to come from him. So he now is our underwriter. And so I was just thinking about this. As we go to work and we're dealing with injustice everywhere, who's going to be healed by my wounds? At work, whenever I'm treated unfairly and I'm treated unappreciated and I've been treated wrongly and there's injustice and I'm suffering and I've got the wounds and I've got, I've got the scars to prove it, I wonder who's going to be healed by my wounds. Because as they see my wounds, I'm going to take them back to the wounds of Jesus Christ. And they're going to see us stand there silent when we should be appreciated and we weren't. When we were treated wrongly. Whenever we had every right to stand up for ourselves. And we just submitted. And we worked. And we worked with a smile to the honor and glory of God. I wonder who will be healed because of the situations I've been in, in our community where I've submitted to the government, where I submit to the authorities, where I submit to the, to the, uh, to the family, all these things. We're going to look next week at the family. How does this whole thing work in the family? But I want you to catch us today. By his wounds I have been healed. Oh, I love what, the, what he says in, uh, in one of the verses there. He says, uh, he, he, he left it to the Father. And so I want to encourage you today to leave this to the Father. Oh, leave your case in the hands of God who judges fairly. Leave your case in the hands of God who judges fairly. Verse 23, when he was reviled, he did not revile and return. When he suffered, he did not threaten but he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Leave your case in the hands of God who judges fairly. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed. It's a heavy message. It's a he- the word of God is heavy. And at times when we have a command like to submit... It's hard at times, isn't it? I know. I, I struggle myself from time to time with submitting. And Boy, but I'll tell you what, when you do, that's where the Spirit of God works. And so God said, I want you to go and I want you to submit to the authorities. I want you slaves to submit to your masters. Employees, submit to your employers. And as we live this life and as we work together in the power of Christ, God will transform your heart as you do so. This morning, I'd like to invite you to Christ. If you've not yet trusted Jesus as your personal Savior, would you surrender your life to him and submit to his power and to his glory that he is the King of kings, that he is the Lord of lords? You can pray something like this this morning. Just pray, dear Jesus, I come before you. And I'm a sinner. 
And I need a Savior. I trust you with my heart and soul. I submit to you as my Lord. Jesus, you died on the cross. You were buried. And you rose again the third day. I invite you into my heart and soul right now. And I ask you to transform my heart. Lord, help me as I grow in Christ. And for all of us today, maybe God's speaking to you about your submission to God. This is how we know you're submitting to God, by submitting to the authorities, by submitting at the job. Father God, I pray you'll be with each one of us, Lord, as we make decisions, as we take your word to work tomorrow morning, as we take God to work with us. As we have the, the, the attitude of gratitude, Lord, being thankful for what you have done. God, move in a mighty way in our church as we take these principles and we apply them to our life today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together this morning and be dismissed. I want to encourage you, greet those around you, welcome everyone. Have a great weekend.